Pastor Doug here from Crossroads. It's great to be with you. I hope that today's message will draw you closer to Jesus. So I have a habit that annoys my wife. And yes, it's just one, just one. That's it. It's the only one. All right. So pay attention. This is it right here. Uh, Oftentimes in the morning when I go to make breakfast, I will make myself a, a fruit parfait, a yogurt parfait. And when my wife finally comes down for breakfast, she'll be like, you did it again. I'm like, what? What did I do? She's like, there is yogurt on the fridge handle, there is yogurt on the counter, there is yogurt on the table, and there's yogurt on you. Look at it. It's on your pants, it's on your shirt, it's everywhere. I'm like, really? Again? She's like, how does this happen? How do you do this all the time? And I'm like, I don't know. I do, legitimately, to this day, I have no idea. Somehow, it, when I'm mixing it, it gets on my hands somewhere, and then I track it everywhere. I, I've yet to figure out exactly how I'm doing this. But apparently, I do it all the time. And she gets rather annoyed with me about that. But have you ever had, have you had those moments where the people around you are aware of something and you aren't. Maybe it's the spinach you have in your teeth from lunch that nobody tells you about until 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Or maybe you've had the unfortunate habit of having your fly down and having to have somebody tell you about that. It's not, it's not a fun experience. It's not a pleasant experience. But all of us at some point or another have had that happen where everyone else around us seems to know what's going on with us and we don't. Well, this is our last week in our series on building character. And we've been addressing ways in our lives that we need to grow in order to become the people that God would have us be. And this week we are focusing on blind spots. So let's face it, when we see these examples, the truth is, it's easier for us to see and recognize problems in other people than it is to recognize problems in ourselves. Isn't that true? It is. It's just, it's just a reality. And Jesus actually addressed this reality in Matthew chapter 7. In verse 3, he says this. He says, look, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. Why? So we can see the tiniest little flaws in other people and have a hard time seeing the giant flaws in ourselves. You know, we can easily identify that person that is so unaware of how they come across to others that it drives us nuts. We have no problem seeing the person and recognizing that person that just has to avoid conflict at all costs. We see the cycle in other people where they blame others or their circumstances for, for all the problems. They never take responsibility for anything. Or that person that just can never seem to stand up for themselves. We see that in other people. But how often do we miss those traits in ourselves? And it's these things we're unaware of, our blind spots, that can limit us and cause us a tremendous amount of trouble. Jesus continued in Matthew 7. 
You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to attempt to look for and deal with the planks in our own eyes. The ones that we're often unaware that they even exist. Our blind spots. So what is a blind spot? Where does this idea come from? Well, the word blind is in there, so it must have something to do with vision, right? Yeah, it does. So this is a picture of your eye. You didn't know you were going to get an anatomy lesson today, did you? Come for the worship, stay for the anatomy lessons. Well, how our eyes work is that the back of the eye has a bunch of photoreceptors on it that detect light. And right there where that circle is, right here where that circle is, there is no photoreceptors in the back of your eye. That means that light that hits that spot does not get detected. It is a literal blind spot. Now, you might be thinking, but I don't have a giant hole in my vision when I'm looking out there. You would be correct. That's because what happens is, is that our eye and our brain is able to assess the surroundings, fill in the missing pieces, and present you with what looks like a whole vision so that you're not seeing giant holes in your eye. Isn't that interesting? Now think about that. We think we see clearly, but we actually don't. We're missing a piece of the picture, and we don't even know it. Now the same is true in our lives. There are blind spots in each of our lives, things that we don't see that are really there the whole time. So how do we define a blind spot? Here's a couple ways of defining it. Blind spots are personal traits or aspects that we demonstrate, but we aren't aware of. They are patterns of thought and behavior that we are not paying attention to. Or simply put, something other people know about you that you don't know. To further illustrate, here's, a, here's another graph. This is called a Jahari window. It basically kind of gives you an illustration as to, as to where what we're talking about lands. Okay, so the first box is, is called open. And these are things that are known to ourselves and known to other people. So for me, I am tall. I have very little hair. I like movies. Things about me that I know that everybody else knows too. Then down here, we have hidden things. These are things that are known to us but unknown to other people. Our thoughts, our secrets the things we have. We know them, but nobody else does. And where we're landed today is on this block, right up here. Blind. These are things that are unknown to us, but that other people know. So just keep that in mind as we're talking about. That's the category we're landed in. Things that other people already know about us, but we don't know. Now, one of the ways that you can look at and you can see blind spots at work is since they are unknown to us, they're often characterized by repeated cycles. The same thing keeps happening over and over and over again as a result of blind spots. It's a lack of self-awareness. Now, to illustrate how this works, I'm going to quote the king of no self-awareness himself, Homer Simpson. Why do things that happen to stupid people keep happening to me? 
This kind of gives you an illustration. This is what it's like to be in a cycle of blind spots where your blind spot just keeps getting you over and over again. Think about it. She keeps falling for the same type of guy over and over and over again. And even though she's used every single time, when it ends, she goes right back to the same person. He has only ever lasted so long in a given job. Someone upsets him. He blows up, storms off, and quits. Only for have the same thing happen the next job. She promises this time she'll show up. She'll be on time. This time you can count on her. But no, you can't. There's no show again. In each case, the person doesn't realize or won't realize the pattern. They have a blind spot. Now, the truth is, every single one of us has blind spots. Every single one of us does. Now, why? Why do we have blind spots? Where are they coming from? Well, it comes from the idea that, let's face it, we're not God. We, we do not have unlimited knowledge. We can't pay attention to everything. So much about ourselves is on autopilot that we're just not aware of. We don't have the ability to pay attention to everything, especially when we're incredibly emotional. Our brains are not actually wired for acute self-reflection, especially when we're emotional. So we can't pay attention to everything. There's obviously going to be things that fall through the cracks. We don't see ourselves clearly either. We're biased. Even about the stuff that we know, we're biased. I mean, isn't it true? Humans have a tendency to judge ourselves by our intentions and not by our results, not by the impact we're actually making. So when we say that thing that's incredibly hurtful, we just think, well, I didn't mean it. In fact, people naturally view their own abilities as being responsible for their successes and external factors are responsible for our failures. We have a natural tendency to not take responsibility. And our blind spots cause us to have a distorted view of ourselves compared to what others see and what God sees because we're sinful people. There's a good example of this distortion at work in Revelations chapter 3. We see this is a letter to the church of Laodicea. And listen to how it's described. Listen to how they're described. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Think about that. Huge difference between who they thought they were and what they actually were. They were blind to their real status. That can happen to us. So where do these blind spots come from? Like, How do they actually enter into our lives? Well, there's a list of possibilities, and this is, not all, this is not an exclusive list. But the things on this list, often they will overlap or coincide. So multiple of these things can be at work at the same time. So we're going to spend a few minutes on some of these things on this list. So the list is this. Family of origin, willful blindness, past trauma, unresolved anger, bitterness, resentment, past or unconfessed sin and shame, areas of unintended or underdeveloped aspects of our lives. Each one of these things can cause blind spots. 
If you go back to our definition of blind spots again, these are personal traits or aspects that we demonstrate that we aren't aware of. And each one of these things can cause that. So let's look at them a little bit more specifically. Let's start with the first one, family of origin. All of us are carrying around a host of ideas, assumptions, behavior patterns that we learn from our family that oftentimes we aren't aware of. Every single one of us has them. Now what's funny about it is oftentimes these don't even come up and we don't even realize them until we start living with somebody who was raised in a different family than we are. Have you ever, have you had these moments? Okay, maybe the first time for you was in college where you live with somebody from a different family. Uh, There was a lot of these experiences when I was in college. I had to teach one of my roommates to do laundry. He had never done laundry in his entire life because his mom had always done it for him. Or I had another roommate that never cleaned anything. Maybe some of you can relate to that. Maybe for you, the first time was when you, you got an apartment with somebody. I had a, uh, I had a roommate who had the uh, ridiculous habit of never taking the trash out. In fact, it became so ridiculous that like, when the trash was like piled up this high over the trash can, he's like arranging it so that he can stack more stuff on top of it so that he never has to take the trash out. It was ridiculous. But maybe for you, the first time you really encountered this was when you got married and with your spouse. And even if it wasn't the first time, this is a whole nother level, okay? All of a sudden, you're coming into contact with somebody who has a different idea about roles. Roles for household chores. Roles for childcare, Roles for how you handle money. Or even the type of things you value. And all of a sudden, this is coming up. What are some other patterns that can emerge from our family? I have a friend who grew up in a Coast Guard family. And every four years throughout his childhood, they moved to an entirely different place in the country. What's fascinating to watch is that same four-year pattern play out as adults. They move every four years. There's always a good reason for it. I'm not saying it's bad or good. It's, it's just it's interesting to see that pattern play out. Something that developed in childhood that carried over into adulthood. Or how about this one? How often do we fight the same way our parents fought? How often is that our model for how fights occur? Or maybe, I was talking to someone recently where they were observing in their family the pattern of rejection. Father rejects son, who rejects his son. And you can see that playing out in families. And because nobody is ever really thinking about it or ever really aware of it, it just continues generation to generation. And it keeps affecting us. Family of origin has a big impact on us and can cause us plenty of blind spots. Next one, willful blindness. These are things that we are intentionally turn a blind eye to. Things that we could have the answer to, but for whatever reason, we choose not to look there. You ever seen a parent who thinks their child is an absolute angel and they are anything but? And you cannot tell them anything differently. They will not see it. 
They refuse to acknowledge it. Or that person who cannot admit that they are wrong. Even when you show them documented proof that they are wrong, they'll never admit it. They don't want to see what's behind that. Or a husband and wife have stopped communicating, stopped sharing, but don't dare dig deeper as to why that is or what's happening because they don't know that they're going to like what they find. Here's a quote for you. Failing to look under the bed when you strongly suspect a monster is lurking there is not an advisable strategy. This is not a good way to be. Now, I know why people do it. I know why they do it. It's going to be difficult. There's going to be pain. There's a fear of failure if you look down this road. But it's going to lead to blind spots. It's absolutely going to lead to you not being able to see things how they really are. Next one, past trauma. If you've experienced any kind of trauma in your life, there is likely going to be hidden effects from it. There's likely going to be things that happen to you and effects that you're just unaware of. And oftentimes the goal then becomes avoiding further pain, avoiding situations that are like that. And if we're not careful, it can create blind spots. Unresolved resentment, anger, and bitterness. When we don't resolve those things in our lives, it causes you to be blind to the anger that just comes spilling out of you in all kinds of other areas, all over all kinds of other people. Past or unconfessed sin. When we don't confess and deal with sin and its consequences, those consequences continue to carry forward into our lives. A number of weeks ago, we talked about David and Bathsheba. If you want to see an example of this, look further as to what happened with David's kids. It's a fascinating story on what happens when you let that stuff fester. Lastly, areas of our lives left unattended or underdeveloped. When something is oblivious to us, there's a high likelihood that we have never worked on it before. And that leaves opportunity on the table that we could be improving that we could be getting better in these areas. And what that does is it creates an invisible boundary that limits us and limits our development and limits the person we can be. See, when we don't deal with our conflict, this can happen to us. See, have you ever had that person, like maybe this has happened to you, like you're afraid of public speaking and so you turn down opportunities at work that might advance you because there's an area of undeveloped. Or maybe your lack of interpersonal skills is creating a boundary for you at work. And if we don't deal with our blind spots, they can affect us personally, relationally, professionally, spiritually. And the consequences are huge. Have you ever let a puppy loose in your house when you weren't home? <laughs> Have you ever had that happen? Have you ever experienced that moment? I remember one particular Easter. This is poignant because we're coming around to Easter here soon. Uh, we got awesome candy baskets. Easter baskets when I was a kid, we had huge ones. My mom went all out. And so that was such a great morning. We got up and got to eat candy for breakfast. But then we leave for church and we left our dog Dexter loose. And we came home and we walk in the house and it's just destruction everywhere. Wrappers everywhere, chocolate smeared all over the place baskets overturned, the little grass laying everywhere, all over the place. 
And then there's a little dog huddled in the corner knowing what's coming. While we weren't home, destruction was happening. While we weren't paying attention, chaos is abounding. Every one of the blind spots in our lives that we don't attend to is a puppy being let loose in, the, in our lives to create destruction. Things that we aren't paying attention to are wreaking havoc in our lives in the background. And sometimes we're not even knowing it. Sometimes it limits us. The consequence is that it limits us. There are skills we haven't developed, hard edges we haven't softened, bad habits we haven't corrected. And this leads to an incorrect assessment of our own skills and abilities. I call this the Michael Scott effect from the office. Never has there been a person so bad at their job that thought they were so great at it. Have you ever had that person who really, really loves to cook, but is really, really bad at it? And you're just kind of eating that meal. Oh, yeah, this is, this is great. This tastes awesome. Thank you. Or that person who's a terrible decorator. You walk in, you're like, man, that's a lot of cat posters. Or that person who really loves to be in front of people talking, but they're really not a good communicator, and everyone just hates it. Isn't it always really, really difficult to have that conversation with that person? Everyone's kind of afraid to tell them that what they think is inaccurate. Now, that's limiting behavior. That limits us when we don't develop those things. But sometimes it just actively harms us. And there's a great example of this in Genesis chapter 27. And this is a story of Isaac, Rebekah, Jacob, and Esau. So we'll jump right in here. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the days of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me and eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. See, Isaac is dying. This patriarch is on his deathbed, and he wants to give the traditional family blessing of inheritance to his first son, Isaac. So he gets Isaac to go out hunting for him, create a bowl of stew for him. Now, Rebekah, his wife, overhears this, and she hatches a plan. Verse 6, Rebekah said to her son, Jacob, look, I overheard your father. So this is what she says. Now, now, my son, listen carefully and do what I'm about to tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so that I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it, and then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. So, there's a plan. Jacob will get the blessing instead. Rebecca has this plan to deceive her husband. And the deception works. And Jacob receives the blessing. And Esau returns. And in that moment, Esau and Isaac both learn of the deception. Next verse says this. Isaac trembled violently when he found out. And he said, Who was it then that hunted the game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came in. And I blessed him and intended, and indeed, he will be blessed. Both of them are distraught. And Esau is so angry that he vows to kill his brother. It says this in the next verse. Esau held the grudge against Jacob. 
because the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. Now, think about this. At the deathbed of this great patriarch, what do we see? A wife conspiring and deceiving her husband, pitting her children against one another. A son deceiving his dying father. A brother deceiving brother and death threats. This is not exactly the legacy that you'd want at the end of a life. Have you seen families like this? Have you encountered family dysfunction like this at the end of the life of an elder? What was the reason? What was the blind spot that was at play here? See if you can detect it. In order to look at this, we've got to go back two chapters, chapter 25. This is what it says. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau. But Rebekah loved Jacob. What was the reason for this? What was the blind spot at play here? Favoritism. Favoritism. Each parent favored one of the others. And you see the result. It's amazing the damage that can be caused when we let our blind spots wreak havoc in our lives and in our relationships. It doesn't just affect us. It affects all of those around us. Each of us has blind spots in our lives. And if we don't deal with them, the consequences are huge. Not just for us, but for our family, for our community, for our church, for our world. Nobody wants to see this happen. Least of all, the God who created you. So God calls us to do something about it. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says this, Let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. Let's get rid of them. Let's prevent these things from being an issue. But how? How do we do it? First thing we need to do is we need to move them from being in the blind zone to being in the known zone. We need to reveal our blind spots. How? How do we do that? Well, one of the first ways is we do it through regular reading of the Scripture and communication with God, prayer. If we're constantly in the Word, if we're trying to apply the things that are said in there, if we're trying to live out the life Jesus intended to us, and then if we're communicating with Jesus, He's going to let us know the things in our lives that need to change. He's going to let us know. He's going to bring them into our minds. The Holy Spirit is going to bring them to our attention if we're paying attention and if we're regularly engaging with the Scripture and with prayer. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Be in the Scriptures. Be praying to God and communicating with Him. Secondly, we need friends, we need mentors, and we need counselors. We need people in our lives who are going to act as mirrors, who are going to show us the things that we aren't seeing. Ask somebody in your life, what am I missing? What are the blind spots in my life? What are they? And it's even better when you have someone in your life who's going to tell you those things before you even notice, before you even ask. That's even better. Now, to correct them, once we reveal them, once we know what they are, what do we do about it? See, it's not just enough to know what they are. We're now responsible for actually dealing with them. 
First thing we need to do is we need to bring them to Jesus. Second part of Hebrews, Hebrews 12 too. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Bring them to Jesus. Ask him to give you the strength to face them. And ask for forgiveness. If this is a sin issue that's come up, ask for forgiveness. Second thing we need to do, we need to make a plan. What is something you can do to work on that blind spot? Maybe it's something simple as have someone call you out whenever they see you exhibiting that behavior. Maybe you need to put a safeguard in your life to prevent you from going in that direction. Maybe if it's one of those deep family things, or if it's something that's really past trauma, maybe you need to seek counseling. It is absolutely something that you should do. Get counseling. Get someone to help talk you through this stuff. Sometimes they're just beyond us to process, and we need somebody who can help us process what we need to be processing. And lastly, find accountability. Who can you get a hold of who can help you and keep you accountable to keep working on this? Who can do that? God is calling us to be willing to see our blind spots so that we can become the person he's called us to be, the person our family needs us to be, that our church needs us to be, and our community needs us to be. So if you want to respond today, there's two things on your connection card. One, this week, I will ask somebody close to me about a blind spot in my life. Are you willing to ask the question, do you have that courage? And then take it another step further. Once you ask, are you willing to take responsibility for working on what you find? That's even harder. Are you willing to do that today? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today knowing that we are flawed. That there are things in each one of our lives that we're unaware of. And God, so often those things we're unaware of have massive consequences in our lives. They limit us or they hurt us and those around us. But God, you want us to deal with them. You want to show us what they are. You want us to heal where we need to heal, forgive where we need to forgive, and develop where we need to develop, God. So God, I'm asking you to give us the courage to Look where we don't want to look. To ask the questions we sometimes don't want to ask. And God, give us the courage to be able to take responsibility for revealing those things and working on them. And God, if, if it's unknown to us still in this moment, God, I ask that you show us the areas that need to be improved, the blind spots in our lives, God. Help us to grow closer to you and be the person you want us to be. In your name, amen. Thanks again for listening. Any step you take towards Jesus is a step in the right direction. You can find out more about us at crbic.org. That's crbic.org.